This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Today's guest is a former college tennis player who's one of the up-and-coming connectors and PR people in the world of sports and entertainment. She's at the scores table and ready to check in. But first, Darlene, let's run it! Buckets, Boards and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Today's guest on Buckets, Boards and Blocks She has the pulse of what's happening in both sports and entertainment and definitely knows all the names that you need to know. A former college student athlete herself, she's refocused that grit and grind and all of that energy into the marketing and public relations world. She knows who's behind your favorite athlete's social media feed. She's the owner of the One Brand Group Agency and a big-time presence in supporting women in sports, which you know I love. Welcome to the show, Alexis Robinson. Hello. Thank you so much for that intro. Girl, you know, we got to start it off right here on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Okay, so (laughs) this is a one-word answer. Do you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert, for sure. Okay, cool. So interesting. The next is the question that we're asking all of our guests in this crazy time that we're living in. As an introvert, how are you handling COVID-19? I'm loving the time off. I'm loving... The catching up on Netflix. I'm loving the not having to get up and go out every single day. So um, it's a nice little reset for me as an introvert. And it allows me to like kind of gather my thoughts and kind of progress on how I want to move forward work-wise and stuff. So it's a nice little reset. You know what? I love that because while it is certainly trying times for folks around the country and none of us are comfortable, I do appreciate that some of us have well, more than some, at least folks that I'm talking to, have been able to find the silver lining, like the opportunity to reset. That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we we kind of have figured out that we are going to have sports back eventually and stuff like that. So I think with that feeling of sort of knowing the future, even though it's going to be shaky, it is, as far as work-wise, going to be uh, there. I, I'm kind of just loving that I get to reset, reorganize, and refocus. There you go. I love that. Reset, reorganize, and refocus. All right. So (laughs) let's sort of reset here on the pod because you are our first time guest. We love when guests become friends of the show and come on multiple times. And that certainly could happen here. But one of the reasons that um, I'm excited that we get to chat is quite honestly, I love putting other women on, but definitely other women of color on as well. And so you are moving and shaking in this PR space. But first, you play tennis. So just give us how long you play tennis and kind of your story as an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I come from a big athlete family, dad, uncle, brother, cousins, pretty much every male in my family was a collegiate and professional basketball player. So basketball has always been a huge part of my life. 
I, I, you know, I did play basketball growing up as well. I probably could have gone to school and played uh, college basketball. But when I was about eight is when I started picking up the game of tennis. And I think probably sometime in high school is when I realized that, you know, maybe it's that introvert and energy in me, but I didn't really like having teammates. I, I loved having the accountability for wins and losses on myself. And I, and I realized that early on in life, which I'm super appreciative of. Um, and so I got super serious about tennis in high school. I actually didn't even finish playing on my high school team. I focused on tournaments and training so that I could play in school. And uh, that, was, that was the goal always was to, you know, uh, be able to play on the next level and the professional level. So uh, I was able to do both. Uh, my professional career wasn't as, you know, wasn't Serena-like, but uh, I was able to travel the world. I was able to meet a lot of great people who are still in my life. And like I said, I think with tennis, because it's a solo sport, you kind of learn responsibility and accountability a little bit earlier than I, I think I would have had I been doing something else. So it sort of pivoted me into my career, to be honest. So I'm thankful every day for, for tennis and, and where, where it taught me. Love that. Okay, so talk to us a little bit more about that pivot. Was it sort of, I'm over this, like I'm pivot what I wanted to achieve or were you injured? I hope not. Like, how did you decide it was time to pivot? Yeah, it was an injury. Um, I was playing, I was playing in school and I kind of one day, my tennis coach at the time, uh, he worked for Vic Braden, who is a very famous, uh, renowned, uh, not just tennis coach, but sports coach. He coached Tracy Austin. He had worked with Muhammad Ali, a bunch of every, a bunch of athletes that he had worked with. So, I was in Utah training with them and I kind of knew that my NCAA career was, was over um, and that I wanted to go to the next level. So I started going to Steve Smith, uh, which is a tennis academy in Tampa. I was training full time and, you know, I was ready to go on tour, played in a couple of, of big tournaments. And while I was doing that, I uh, had a shoulder injury, a rotator cuff injury that was going to take some time for me to get back. And at that point I was 21, which sounds young, especially now because, you know, Serena's killing it uh, in her mid thirties. But at the time, uh, it, you know, seven, eight years ago, it, it wasn't, uh, it was kind of like, if you weren't at a certain pro level in tennis by 21, uh, it might be, it might not work mm -hmm. out for you. So that's when I decided, you know what, I need to go finish school. Anyway, it's going to take me a long time to get my shoulder back and, just sort of play recreationally so yeah it was an injury that kind of took me out but it was kind of cool it allowed me to focus my second half of school because I definitely did not focus the first half um <laughs> I will say that like I, I admit it all the time when people ask me you know what did I go to school for and I tell them I went to school to play tennis to be completely honest there was a good three and a half years of just really focusing on playing and not focusing on learning. So I'm, 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 I'm super appreciative that I was able to get that last stint of college and really learn and really develop networking relationships that started my career. Where did you go to school? So I went to a small school uh, in Utah. It, they're part of the WAC conference now, Dixie state. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I, I went there at first. I, it was the only scholarship available at the end of 
I think it was the end of August, like, so it was literally probably two weeks before college, you know, college campuses were opening and getting ready to start for the fall semester, because I had, I had determined that summer that I graduated high school that I was just going to go be Serena, and I wasn't going to go to college, I was going to just start my pro career really early, and then one day my mom just, you know, she sat down and she was like, I really, really want you to go to school. I know you, you you know you have what it takes to be a tennis player and you can do all these things, but I really want you to go to school. And so uh, Dixie State still had a scholarship available, so I took it. It was nice because um, BYU Hawaii and, and and Chaminade, which is also in Hawaii, are in their conference. We're in their conference at the time, so it was a nice little uh, uh, trip to Hawaii that you know we got to got to take, and then. Uh, once I once I was done in Utah, had my little pro stint, and then I uh, and then I went to Oklahoma. Nice. And so that's when yeah, so that's when I really was able to focus on uh, meeting athletes, and because they were all basically, if you're an athlete and you're in Norman, Oklahoma, you kind of all know each other. So it was kind of cool. Football players who are now you know stars in the NFL, and you know I went to school with like Buddy Heald and and things like that. So. It was it was kind of a cool transition for me to to start my career. I love that. All right, so that definitely takes us right into the next uh, question. So you realize that the ball is, I guess, tennis balls don't go flat, but you get what I'm getting after. Um, <laughs> you're moving on. So was it just about, hey, you guys are awesome friends. This is what I want to do in the future. Let's team up. Like, how did you begin to carve your way in, as a publicist? Um, I think I think it honestly started with my family just kind of knowing like you know my dad being a professional basketball player and my brother and you know my cousin just always having like basketball manager and publicist sort of like in my life it was sort of like an easy transition where I figured okay if I'm not going to be that athlete I definitely know that I want to help that athlete and I want to be behind the scenes. I'm not really an attention-focused human, so um, I don't mind taking the back seat, which I think is, um, if you want to work in this industry, that's definitely one of the things that um, I want all, you know, girls to figure out within themselves early on, because it just makes it a lot easier for, you know, for the career. So I knew early on that I didn't mind taking a back seat to the athletes that I was going to be working for. So um, I got an internship with um, a, a woman who at the time was working with Deion Sanders. And so she, she was just sort of teaching me the biz. And then while she, that was while I was at Oklahoma. And that's when I kind of knew, I'm like, okay, I have enough connections. I know enough athletes. I've met enough athletes while I'm in school. And now I've had this internship that sort of taught me the ropes. So anything else I can you know, kind of Google or figure out through experience or anything. So that's when I was like, well, the second I was done with school, probably I would say like six months later is when I was like, okay, I'm going to just start my business. And that's what I did. And I'm still chugging along. <laughs> Wait a minute, Alexis. So six months later would have made you tw what, 22-ish? No, 24. That, that, that little tennis career kind of had me finishing school a little late. So. Okay. Yeah. okay, well, still, 24 to be setting out and starting a business. I mean, I think I love that about our generation. We're all students of YouTube University or go out and Google. But you were taking on this huge 
this big fish. So as a publicist, what would you say was your first win? Um, I would say probably my first win and probably the coolest thing that I was able to do without having a ton of PR knowledge, because like I said, I didn't really go to school for it, um, would be I Travis Kelsey, um, who I uh, his business manager um, or one of them, he has like a whole team now, but his business manager slash close friend and I good friends and he sort of introduced me to Travis and said, you know, Travis has sort of all these goals that he wants to accomplish. And he was only in his second year. Um, and I threw him a charity event in his hometown of Cleveland and probably everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. As far as there was weather issues, some of the special guests that were supposed to be arriving in were able to make it in and, you know, things like that. But I was able to get there, get the job done. And we were able to raise some money and secure some partnerships for his, his uh, foundation. So I think that was like the first big moment for me that I was like, okay, I can do this. And it, it's cool now to say that I was a part of something like that when now, you know, Travis is a pro bowler, super bowl champion and everything. A household name. And this is totally unprofessional, but it's my podcast. I don't care. One, find somebody too. Mm, <laughs> All right. So true. This podcast, obviously, we, we love basketball. So your current hoop clients, you've got De'Anthony Melton of the Memphis Grizzlies, and we've got De'Arka Hamby of the Las Vegas Aces. How did you go about teaming up with those guys? Yeah. Oh, gosh. If De'Anthony hears this, it's going to be – this is, like, the worst part. He doesn't like talking about how we started working together, but – Basically, so um, I run some high school tournaments in Vegas and I do social media for Bishop Gorman basketball, which was, you know, is a renowned high school athletics program. And uh, one of the players for the team, Chuck O'Bannon Jr., uh, you know, nephew of Ed Ed O'Bannon, son Mm -hmm. of Chuck O'Bannon, UCLA legend, he was, he committed uh, to USC. And so... I would go visit him, go watch games. You know, we're really big on our alumni presence when it comes to to Gorman basketball. So we like to see all of our alumni wherever their, you know, next level is. So I was at USC a lot visiting Chuck and he kind of got tied into the drama that DeAnthony was tied in uh, when he was at SC. So I kind of made it a point to not really like the Anthony because I was kind of sad that, um, you know, one of our Gorman kids was sort of taking the hit for whatever the situation was, uh, you know, NCAA scandals and all that stuff. So um, the relationship started out rocky and then he got drafted by the Rockets. So his summer, his, uh, the summer league debut, he was playing with, uh, he was playing with, shoot a ton of people that I knew my uncle was coaching the Rockets summer league team at the time and so I was going to games and he actually was like killing it and uh he needed a ride back to the hotel because the Rockets don't stay on the strip like every other team because uh the Rockets owner owns a hotel downtown so he needed a ride I was a little hesitant because I still felt the way I did about him but I gave him a ride home and then he ended up uh, playing his freshman season with or rookie season with the the Grizzlies and uh, or I mean not the Grizzlies with the Suns so when I would be out in Phoenix he, we would just you know see each other hang out say hi or whatever and finally 
during the summer, we were like, hey, you know what, we should start working together. And <laughs> so we've been working together a little bit over a year now. He still, to this day, is like, I can't believe you didn't like me for all that time. Like, we could have been done way more stuff and all this junk. He, you know, he likes to hold it over my head. But um, it's been a fun year working with him. You know, he's in a contract here. We're really excited about that. So um, that's how I started working with him. And then Dierica. She was just a friend who once, you know, the Aces moved to Vegas, she was like, hey, come out to some games. And I was like, cool. I'd never been at WNBA games before, which is horrible, I know. Um, but mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I was kind of late on the WNBA bandwagon, but she invited me to games and I loved watching. I loved the Aces. Like, I, I'm a huge fan. I love their team. They got a bunch of superstars on their team. So um, basically... Uh, one day, like, Dierica and I are like, you know what, we should start working together. Like, you come to all of our games, you're really good at what you do. And I see, you know, the potential uh, as far as marketing with her. And this was before she got Sixth Woman last year and everything like that. So it's been, it's been cool uh, working with both of them. And, you know, I'm excited because they're both on the cusp of something really great when it comes to their careers. For sure, for sure. And uh um, no worries about being tardy to the party on the WNBA. We're just glad that you're all in and you're I here. And I got to say, Alexis, like Vegas puts on for the Aces. Like that's one of the better venues in the league. Yeah, I love it. My mom, you know, my sister, my little sister, she's a college basketball player. So my mom has been on the women's hoop wave a lot longer than I have supporting my sister and everything. So they've been season ticket holders since they've gotten uh, to Vegas and, like I said, just the past year and a half, knowing Dierica, her inviting me out. I love going to games. They're so fun. Um, I was able to go last summer to a game with Stanley Johnson and Kelly Oubre and Alonzo Trier. So we just, you know, and we had a blast. And it was a good game. And I was just so excited because it's good to see these NBA guys genuinely enjoy supporting and their fans. So it's nice that you know, we're moving forward with that sort of initiative when it comes to the WNBA. Man, when we make our assets from this podcast, producer Bruce, I know you're listening. Uh, we need to clip that part because I just cannot emphasize enough that it's the people that do not respect the game of basketball, period, that have so much negativity to throw at the WNBA because the pros and guys that play ball and understand the game, just like you said, appreciate it and are sincerely there to support. Yeah, I mean, they love it. We ended up, Stanley, uh, like I said, we, we had told the team, like, hey, there's going to be, like, four or five of us that are going to come through, come to the game. And then we ended up, we had a big group of us. And Stanley, literally, we stood in line, bought the tickets for the extra people that we had coming with us. And we stayed till the end of the game, took pictures. Like, uh, I think Stanley had asked the Erica if he could, like, or he could get a signed jersey. Like, they're, you know, they're, they're fans, and it's it, and it's awesome. I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's go back to your work now with DeAnthony, with Dierica in that space. Let's stay with the Aces because that team is full of tons of personalities, big personalities, yeah. not, a fit, not afraid to chirp in the media, chirp on social. They, they're just ready to get after it. But when you're working with someone like Dierica or even your other clients, how do you go about finding the symmetry in terms of opportunities that fit them versus maybe nudging them a little bit to get out of their comfort box and try something different. Yeah, I think that, I mean, a lot of my other clients, they sort of built in this influencer trait in them. So it's a lot easier, but 
specifically when it comes to Dierica and DeAnthony, they, I do have to like kind of nudge them when it comes to stepping outside of their comfort zone and creating content and posting more and doing more stuff because I try and just let them know like, hey, I'm not saying this because I work with the two of you. I'm saying this as like a genuine hoop fan and someone who has knowledge of the game. You both individually are superstars. Like there's a reason why Lou Will is at the level that he is. Like there are six men slash women that can, can, you know, make themselves superstars with a great team behind them. And I think that they both have the potential to have that sort of star power that Lou Will has coming off the bench and just creating opportunities and being like that force on their teams. It's kind of funny because they both kind of play the same role um, on their team. So it's really fun to sort of get them to realize how good and how marketable they are because they are, they're so focused on hoop that they never really thought about it. So I'm just there to literally tell them, Hey, there are brands, there are companies, there are people who have genuine interest in you guys outside of basketball. Let me help you connect that. Mm, I love that. I, I love that. And that it's crazy because that can be so daunting. And granted, I'm obviously not trying to be anybody's influencer, but I understand that idea of tunnel vision, right? Like I'm a reporter, I'm trying to build this, 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 this. And sometimes the social thing, Alexis, it feels like an additional job sometimes. And, and granted, they have platforms that are way bigger than mine, but I totally can imagine that tug and pull when you're trying to put them in that space. Yeah, I mean, it is, it, it is, it is hard, but like as their manager, I, and as their manager who knows that they really aren't even interested in in being super you know social media savvy I help them I'm like okay well then let's find you a photographer let's find you a videographer let's you know I'll help you do these things but let's just get this content out there because I know that that people want to see what you guys are up to I know that people are interested outside of basketball and I think when you're dealing with two clients that are you know six man slash woman on their team they and they're playing with superstars you know quote unquote superstars they tend to forget that there is fan interest and brand interest in them so whatever I need to do to help them realize it and even if I have to force it which sometimes I have to and I will (laughs) say most of the time with those two specifically I have to but I'll do it because like I said in a year from now when they you know hopefully both are you know got amazing contracts I think the aces will you know I think the aces are going to win you know the next championship you know things like that when all these other basketball accolades are there they're going to have all these other accolades on top of it and it's just going to be really cool I know one thing and I cannot think of baby girl's name I know you know it but you got to be her manager now because she is a star in the making Dierica's daughter (laughs) oh I know Maya yes she is (laughs) She's such a doll. She's so cute. Okay. But so I got two questions. I'm all over the place. I'm loving this conversation, okay. Alexis. Let's stick with the W. You are, yeah. your business is marketing. And by your own admission, a little tardy to the party to the W, you are, we're glad to have you now, but there's still an audience out there that is not aware, right? 
And I think for me, this conversation is so odd because I was with the W since 1998, like loved basketball that much and appreciated the opportunity that it gave me that I never really stopped to take note of viewership or audiences. Because to me, I mean, I had played in empty gyms all through and it didn't matter. I still walked away with no debt from college. So I really didn't care. So now as yeah. this conversation is gaining more and more momentum, I do see it. And I do see where these women are so talented and work so hard and they're not celebrated in the same way as the men. Do you see it as a marketing issue or, or something else? Um, I'm probably getting in trouble for this. Every time I speak about this, I get a, a flock of WNBA fans and, and whatnot, but the WNBA does not market its players well enough. And I'm, and I tr- the way I try to explain that is as a casual basketball fan, not as someone who works with WNBA players, okay. because my interest, because I work with WNBA players, my interest towards the WNBA is already there. So I'm speaking as someone who, like we had talked about, I'm new to the W. So the WNBA, they, first of all, the biggest problem that I've explained and tweeted and gotten in trouble for, I'm sure, you know, tons of times is that the WNBA insists on force feeding us like the same five players. Mm. And for our new fans, like for me, so I'm a new fan. So I know they're legends and, you know, goats and historic, but I don't necessarily care about Candace Parker. I don't care about super Diana Taurasi like I care about like the Las Vegas Aces and Liz Cambage and you know Kayla or yeah Kayla and Kelsey and Dierica like I care about that's my fan base that as the new WBA basketball fan that's what I like to see I like to see them but the WNBA insists on giving us, like I said, the same sort of five players who are legends, who have done amazing things. But it's like, you know, you have to target your audience. And we don't want to just hear about the same five people. And it's everywhere. When I was at NBA All-Star, you know, every event, it was like either Sue Bird or, you know, Candace Parker, which is like, I get it. Like they're legends, they're goats, they're respected WNBA players, you know, hall of famers all of that but when you're at nba all-star you got to think you know a good chunk of your audience are especially now it's not even millennials it's gen z's now so you got to think about all these younger people who might not even have seen any of those girls play before right and so that's where i think the WNBA is is failing it's audience is because they're not like you know we had we just had a draft and I think what is it 32 players that are drafted we just had a draft and the only PR and marketing there was was around Sabrina and uh who was the number one pick and then her teammate who I think who was the number one number two pick but I think the only reason even she got a little bit of 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 spark is because she was teammates with Sabrina and it's like, okay, well, I'm not a Pac-12 fan, let alone an Oregon basketball fan. I was, you know, they weren't even number one team in the country. You know, I get where John Staley and her frustration with the fact that, you know, we are kind of treating like, you know, Oregon as the national champions, even though they weren't. And it's because, like I said, we're so focused on marketing one player instead of, 
you know, marketing a ton of players and, and marketing towards your market, your target audience and your market. So that's where it, it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy when you work in the NBA and then to see it so different in the WNBA Mm. because, you know, we can name, you can name, if you're, if you're just a basketball fan, you don't have to have a certain team or a certain player, but if you're uh, an NBA fan and a WNBA, if you're a basketball fan, you can probably name, you know, a good 15, 20 NBA players. And not all of them are going to be superstars. You know, people know, people know players outside of LeBron, but for when it comes to women's hoops, that's not the case. Like, it's really hard. If I wasn't an Aces fan, I, you know, prior to two years ago when I became one, I probably could have told you, like I said, four, maybe five uh, WNBA players. And that's, that's just that's just not how. And this is coming from someone who's had basketball in their life, their entire life. So imagine these, you know, casual sports fans that are like, you know what, let me give the WNBA a shot. And then all they're seeing is you know, the same players. And then, you know, just some, some stuff like Sue Bird, we see more of her spouse than we do some of these other players when it comes to the WNBA space. And, and I'm just like, okay, Megan Rapino, she's a legend. She's done all this stuff for soccer. Like we love, we, you know, we love her as an individual athlete, but if you're just someone who's trying to become a WNBA fan, what is hearing and seeing her all the time doing for you? I think that is a really smart take because again, my experience, I can, I remember those guys, Sue, Candace, Diana, whoever, but coming from the college space where I am covering women's hoops too, there are a ton of new personalities, very talented young ladies who are going to put their mark on the league. So it definitely, the marketing definitely should be spread out. Um, Okay. So here's another thing that I wanted to make sure I got a chance to chat with you on, Um, on social media, you're very vocal, building your brand, all that good (laughs) stuff. I know one of the things that you're passionate about is women in sports. Yeah. I, I am too, right? But I think that can never be taken for granted because of how competitive the industry is, whether you're trying to be a reporter, actually play the game, work in the publicist space. Why is that something that's important to you as you continue to pave your way in your career? It's important to me because I got lucky. I'm very blessed. You know, sometimes my mom tells me I hit the genetic jackpot when it comes to getting in this industry you know I come from a family full of hoopers so I've experienced you know tons of of things that that kids growing up and are who are sports fans will never get to experience um you know while the last dance was playing my cousin and I we were actually just laughing um because he had to do um, a modeling photo shoot with Dennis Rodman when we were kids and it was just because, um, you know, Dennis Robbins people and, and, and my uncle and my mom, uh, they were all like family friends, you know? So there was like so many experiences that I grew up with that I know a lot of, a lot of people who are trying to get into this industry weren't fortunate enough to have. And then once I got to school, it's like, it was another thing. It's like, I'm at this big school that's full of athletes that are future pros and these are just people that I get to say hi and bye to every single day. So I think that once I got into this industry and I started, you know, getting the 
the, I mean, all the stereotypes that come with being a female in this industry, a majority of them are all there and they're all real and they're all true. Um, so once I started experience, experiencing all that full time, I realized, man, it re- is really hard to not only get into this industry, but to be respected and trusted within this industry. And so if I can help out in any way, then it, I just kind of have to. Like, I know there's so many girls out there that aren't going to be as, as lucky and as fortunate as I was. So I, I just honestly felt like it was something I had to do. I love that. That's, I, I love that sense of responsibility. I think that is so important. Um, I also love, as you tell your story, like the willingness to be transparent, because I think what we do, and I've, I have done this as well, we're sitting in a room, you spot the two other women, maybe one of them happens to be a black woman. And sometimes we start to make assumptions about people's journeys, whether it be because their dad was in sports or their uncle or this, that, and the other. And while we all have different paths, each of us has our ups and downs, our hurdles in the process. And I think that transparency with one another and, and genuine support can be very, very powerful. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's just as, you know, I, I keep it real with my journey and how I got here. And like I say, I, you know, I tell everyone I didn't go to school to do this. I really honestly got lucky. I figured it out early on in life, what I was good at, what, you know, what my, my pros were, what my cons were, so I could figure out how I could navigate myself in this industry without it. And there's no, you know, I, I could sit up on a panel and, and give some sort of story about how I went from this to this in a matter of days. And, you know, that's just not how it was. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And there's a lot of no's that you hear before you hear some yeses, which is a reason why I decided to go out on my own. I just kind of, you know, didn't want to work for anyone or I wasn't, you know, prepared to hear a lot lot of no's. So I created the yeses for myself, but that takes a lot of perseverance to do that sort of thing. So I'd like to be transparent and tell, you know, girls who are interested and, uh, girls who always ask questions and who want to intern for me or who want to work with me and everything like that. I sort of bring them in this space with me and, and show them the reality of it because a majority of the time you don't get that. You, you see the, the finished product, which is not all the hard work it took to get there. hundred percent. And on that, we had Allison Gaylor on, who's a WNBA agent. Allison is 31, maybe? Anyway, early 30s for sure, not older than 33. Do you feel that your age has been, mm, I don't think it's a point of concern. Do you feel like it's been beneficial or has it caused some folks to look at you and say, you don't have the experience that I need? Um, well, shout out to Allison. We're actually, we're, we're friends. Um, we had a fun little uh, all-star weekend with Liz, um, her client. So, yeah. <laughs> um, love Allison, but um, sometimes I think that my age has, it has, it, it, it does, it's the same thing where it's like pros and cons in some, in some part, I think it's great that I'm so young in this industry because I relate to the athletes, um, which is the main, you know, job focus for me. That's what I do for a living is I manage and do PR for athletes. So to be able to relate to them and have sort of similar experiences with them is, is important. But then, you know, on the other side, I work in high school and AAU recruiting tournaments, 
And so it's going back and forth between, you know, high schoolers and then like college coaches. And I'm kind of just like stuck in the middle there and no one is close to my age when it comes to who's in the room. So then there's sort of that feeling where, Oh, you know, when you're talking to a college basketball coach, they probably, you know, everything I say to them about a player probably goes in one ear and out the other because they're not thinking, oh, this young girl knows anything about, you know, Mm -hmm. recruiting. But it's like, you know, like I said, all those sort of stereotypes and and worries that come with the industry are, are always there. But I try to do my best to sort of just break those stereotypes. And so I don't really I don't really think about my age when it comes to work. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, so I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nothing you can do about it. All right, so check this out. You work on the high school front in terms of those big-time tournaments, which produce the next crop of collegiate athletes or guys that are going to go to the G League now or overseas. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're well aware of the new proposal on the NCAA level where student-athletes would have the opportunity to earn revenue off of their name, image, and likeness. Yeah. My theory, Alexis, has been instead of bucking the trend, universities, in theory, would hire someone like you on a consulting basis and help these kids transition so that they can do this in a way that is beneficial to them, but also doesn't become burdensome and still allows them to focus on the craft because they obviously still want to go pro. And with this weekend's comments from Reggie Bush about how you know he feels like it could be dangerous to some kids, what would you say to something like that? Like, How do you envision this name and likeness thing going yeah i mean i think they definitely do if it's not me it needs to be someone if 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 colleges took the time to hire and and consult with agencies that not only understand how to connect the brand and an athlete but also you know connect well with these younger kids so that's sort of where you know, I've heard, I've had a lot of people say, you know, certain schools should start consulting with you, or I've even had a couple schools reach out and stuff. And that's because they do know that I have this sort of connection with the younger kids, as far as working with Bishop Gorman and working in our tournaments and things like that. So I totally understand where the need is as far as for someone like me, because you do want kids, like I said, I went to school to play tennis, and there was a very good chunk of learning that I missed out on because I was so focused on my sport. So I couldn't imagine if I was not only had to focus on competing, but also, you know, had to keep up with my Instagram or had to, you know, negotiate a branding deal and things like that. I think the schoolwork would just be put on the back burner completely. And whether you plan on finishing school or not, I think that it should still sort of be a focus if you do decide to go to college. So I definitely think there is a need there, but I'm super excited about kids getting the opportunity because, I mean, they're just taking advantage of this social media internet window that I think, you know, I think we got a good three to five years left where it's where you can monetize solely just on your social media pages without any sort of income, other income coming in. So I think that these kids are so marketable that the NCAA finally getting them that opportunity to do that is amazing. Some of the younger kids that I know are, you know, going to be in school soon by the time that rule is in effect and everything, you know, the first thing I told them was, you know, go buy a domain for yourself. You, You don't, you might not need it now, 
but you'll probably need it later. Just buy it now so you have it. You know, just take ownership in everything that has to do with your brand because now that the NCAA is giving you this opportunity to monetize it, it, it it's going to be successful. Like if you have the right people around you and if you are smart, you can make a lot of money just off of your brand. So I, I hope that kids use, you know, use it responsibly because the last thing we need is to prove the NCAA right about anything. So I hope, you know, it's done well. I hope it, it leads to more kids staying in school and more kids doing the right thing while in school, less scandals. And I, you know, that's sort of the, the mission for it. So I, I hope that's how it pans out. Um, I agree with you. I keep arguing that kids are smart. And yeah, I get coaches that come back and say, well, what about boosters and things that are going to be uh, not so scrupulous? And I'm like, you shouldn't punish the kids because there's people around the game that don't have the best intentions. But we want to make the most of your time. So before I let you go, Alexis, because we've had a fantastic conversation, thoroughly enjoyed. I need you to go with me down <laughs> pretend lane a little bit, right? Okay. I'm going to make you publicist for one Michael Jeffrey Jordan right now. <laughs> okay. That would be amazing. I need so. to. Know, I need to know how you would be advising him to respond to his former teammates that are disgruntled, shall we say, with the last dance, and to this allegation that's floating around now that he did say to Rod Thorne that he did not want to play with Isaiah. Yeah, this is, he can't say anything at all. Like he literally, (laughs) this is the time where, you know, as a publicist, whenever there's stuff that is sort of on the fence of good or bad or, you know, morally right or wrong, anything like that, you just tell them not to say anything at all. You know, whenever a client of mine has gotten in trouble or been in some sort of drama and, you know, we didn't know how it was going to go, find you know take your best friend start a group chat everything that's on your mind say it in the group chat but just don't say it to anyone don't say it to anyone in the media do not tweet it do not you know he already said whatever he wanted to say publicly in a 10-hour documentary leave it at that yeah yeah. this is not one of those times where we need especially because he's already like a quiet guy and he's sort of not really in the limelight anyway as far as media now is not the time for him to start so (laughs) just lay low all right so then i want to ask you this though too do you personally put any stock in the argument that the last dance came out now because mike is concerned about his legacy being encroached upon by one lebron james like in in order for LeBron to even come close to anything as far as MJ's legacy, he has to he has to win a little more. He's got to own a team. He's got to have a billion dollar empire. I don't even think they're on like they're not close to me. So and I don't and as cocky and as arrogant as we've seen Michael Jordan is when it comes to the last dance I don't think he cares either about LeBron (laughs) like it was something that was done well you know they finally finished it there was not we're in this quarantine there was nothing to watch you know they they put it out and we loved it but I I know like I can say with confidence I don't think Michael Jordan thought at all about LeBron when it came to came to the documentary 
Well, I'm going with the confidence that you just gave me only to affirm that <laughs> already a believe. All right, so the last thing we do with our friends and guests on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is we ask you to pick one of those things. But I don't, Alexis, I don't know where we should take our pot to choose from. Let's just give it, we'll do it on the quarantine. Quarantine, 2020, sports, wherever you want to take it. But let me just tell okay. you what we are. You only have to pick one unless you want to give me more, but I'm going to give you what they are first. The bucket is the A++ thing, the thing that you want more of, like give me more of this. The okay. board is the thing that at first glance might not look so great, but it has some silver lining to it and a redeeming quality, like a rebound. Okay. The block is the thing that you feel fired up about, Dikembe Mutombo, wag your finger, get that out of <laughs> here. We don't want any more of it. Got it. Okay, so let's apply okay. one of those things to, I'll just, I'll just chalk it up to all of 2020. The block. <laughs> all right, so what's your block on 2020? Let's hear it. I mean, I don't, like, it's, it's just the, with the Kobe thing, I, like, it's, it's so hard for me to even talk about the year because I think it just started off so crappy and mm -hmm. the Kobe thing gets me every single day. Like I think about it every single day. It blows my mind how one day we're celebrating him and LeBron and the next day he's not with us. Um, and then everything after that and to now being, you know, stuck in the house probably for the rest of 2020, it's just, it's a block. Like we, we 2020 is, is yeah. Finger, finger wave, like whatever. It's, it's not great. I'm over it. I'm really over it. I think you speak for many, many of us in that sentiment. Yeah. So, Oh, all right. Well, where can folks follow you on social media? This was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for being so candid. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, you know, it's always hard for me to, talk about my career and and especially to talk about tennis and everything like that I feel I'm, I'm surprised when people show a little interest so honestly thank you I'm honored by that um you can find me everything is underscore Alexis Marie 24 and um I am starting a, a women in sports initiative group that is called her call sports so That'll hopefully be done in the next month or so. And that's just going to be an online resource for women who are trying to get into the industry um, with uh, tools and mentorship and everything like that. So definitely want to plug that. It will be done soon. And I'm, you know, so hopefully I'll be available and here to help for all the women trying to get into this industry really soon. We love it. And we'll definitely stay connected because I'm all about similar projects. So if there's a way to help or get involved and connected there, I'm down. Yes, that was a, that was that was going to be my off the uh, off the call qu uh, question to you. Is I might you know we might need you uh, coming soon. A hundred percent. I'm all about it. Well, Alexis, stay well, maintain your distance. I know you're enjoying the time at home. I hope that you are continuing to find the silver lining and all that. And we all look forward to getting back to somebody's basketball game, packed house, enjoying it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. That was dope. Thank you. Thank you to this week's guest, Alexis Robinson of the One Brand Group Agency. Thanks also to my producer and loyal sidekick, Bruce Bernstein, and our terrific editor, Ben Wolfen, who makes all of us sound good. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. 
This week, the Mike Wise Show featured the last word on the last dance with four great guests sharing their experiences with Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin are looking ahead to what the rest of the NBA season might look like. Interesting. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams have a new show each Tuesday. BJ Armstrong is back with Eric Newman on the Pure Hoops podcast, which drops every Friday. And I'm back next Thursday with a brand new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Please remember to pray for all of the nurses, doctors, and other frontline workers keeping our society going through these tough times. We owe all of them a great debt. Continue to follow social distancing guidelines, wash your hands, and wear that mask to protect yourself and others. Don't be that person without a mask on. If you like Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, please subscribe, rate us, review us, throw out a five-star rating, because that would be so nice of you. And until we meet again, my good people, wherever you can find them, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 